testing. One, two, three. One, two. You're at the same level as yeah, me okay. and mine. Okay. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, is it week 19? It's a week. <laughs> what? You said it's a week. <laughs> it's a week. I don't know what's wrong Wait, with me. Wait, my mom the other day was like, um, uh, you can come over at this time and then I can watch 24 with yous. And she did like apostrophe and everything and I just left it alone. She's like, I didn't mean to do that. I was like, I thought you were trying to be like New York, like yous. Yous coming over here to have some coffee and talk. That's a really good, that's more of like a Jersey accent. Well, really you know, good. I do what I can. <laughs> I do what I can for my podcaster listeners. Whatever, podcast <laughs> listeners. Oh, man. Uh, we went to Silver Dollar City yesterday. No one asked. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, well, I always got to start with something. Yeah. We're about to dive into something really Some deep. Real deep. So stuff. I was like, I need to open up with something fun. So we went to Silver Dollar City yesterday, and we had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice weather too. Oh. Gorgeous weather. When we first got there, I was like, I'm, I mean, I could have technically put on a light jacket when we first got there. And Anaya slept in the wagon for over two hours, which is huge. Oh my gosh. We went to some, um, you know, they always have shows. So we went to this like gymnastic show thing where they make things look like Brian said it this way. They make it look so easy that you're sitting there watching and you're thinking to yourself, surely this can't be so hard. But then he told a story about them yeah, learning told me about that. Oh, like to be on the like tightrope tight and yeah. the whole family fell and it was like this horrible thing, but they all ended up being okay. And they trusted God. I mean, it was just this huge story, but they make it look so easy that I remember when they first started, I was like, man, it must, they just must find that so easy to walk on that. <laughs> Because they do it so effortlessly, which almost hurts them. Because in your mind, you're thinking, oh, it must not be that hard. Right. But it's just because That's they're how, so good, so good at, at what they do. It's kind of like when you make videos. I'm sure people, <laughs> you know, she's the media director at our church. I'm sure people are like, oh, I could totally go out and film that with a camera. And then I've tried the video <laughs> stuff for you. Like what? that one time I helped you at the wedding and you didn't use any of my footage. Uh, <laughs> about that. <laughs> about that. Yeah, it was horrible. So, well, it's okay. I tried. Yeah. I mean, it's just practice. I do photography. I can't do that. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, I don't want to take up too much of our time in a bunch of frivolous banter, um, but I felt the need. I actually did not know that I wanted to do this until last night. Right. So um, usually on Monday nights, I kind of gather my thoughts and um, we do the podcast on Tuesdays and I, you know, I always am praying God, you know, what do you want us to talk about? What's on your heart that should be on my heart? And you had actually just finished Rocky Kanaya. Hopefully it's okay that I yeah, share that's this. Fine. <laughs> and she was like, well, I was rocking Anaya and I was just bawling in there holding her, you know, because I guess, you know, if you if you don't know my story or maybe maybe this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, we adopted um, Anaya Riley C. Um, back January 20th of 2021 is when she was born. Uh, we were actually given a 13-day notice to adopt her. Um, she was going to be born very quickly. And so um, uh, we were thrilled and excited. And then they began to tell us the story. Um, so our adopted daughter was um, actually conceived by rape. Um, and it was I, originally it was something we were like not going to tell. I think because I thought this is her story. But at the same time, I kind of feel like her story is going to be used to bring things to light. So yeah. we have really felt just the peace of God to kind of release that now. But she was and her birth mom had no idea she was pregnant, you know, and went 
several months before realizing something is not right in my body and actually went into the abortion clinic, even though um, she was a Christian and, you know, but I think just out of fear. And here's the honest truth about all of this. Most people who are getting an abortion in their mind, this is the last resort. They don't know what else to do. And so I just want to encourage Christians in the way that we talk and speak. These aren't people that are just out there saying, oh, I want to kill a baby. I think that's what we have now. There are people in a lot of the really loud picketers who half of them have never even been pregnant or the ones that have more of the opinion (laughs) that I think sometimes. Um, But she went in and she was actually short money to get the abortion. And so they turned her away that day and which thank God they did. Um, she was $200 short. And so it, that is always mind boggling to me that my daughter was saved by wow, $200. Yeah. Yeah. And, but again, that's also scary to me that that's what her life was worth. Right. Um, and so, uh, I guess due to policy at abortion clinics or something like that, if something like that, they can't help them, they reach out to, you know, to a different pregnancy center, which, you know, as Christians, we need to understand this statistically to every abortion clinic there is, there are two pregnancy centers in that same city. So um, we are stepping it up and we are putting our money where our mouth is, um, but there needs to be more. We need to advocate more and do more. Um, And as a church, we're looking at what we can do more. But long story short, she didn't go through the abortion and it was just a God thing. And um, I think her birth mom is the bravest woman in the world. Um, I sent her a letter um, to let her know how much we think of her and um, all those kind of things. And I have this beautiful picture in my mind one day, every time I pray, I don't know what it is, but I see Anaya, she's in her early twenties and I'm sitting on a stage with, it's Anaya, me and her birth mom, and we're sharing a story. And I hold on to that because I think it's going to be a beautiful thing one day. But I I feel like I can talk about this um, because we stepped up and did something, you know, we're against abortion, but not just against it and not doing anything. And I'm not saying people can't be against it if they're not doing anything. I'm just thinking it just... I, maybe I feel more brave to talk about it because of it. Maybe I yeah. feel like I have a right to talk about it. I don't know. And, you know, I want to preface with all of this. I am not um, the most knowledgeable person in the world. I don't claim to um, speak on the half of God and what <laughs> I say is ultimate truth. I am coming and sharing my heart and what I see in the Bible and what I feel. And I want to make that clear. Um, because I never want to use my position ever to say, well, this is what God says, so do it, you know, or deal with it. I'm just, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a friend, I'm a sister, I'm a wife, I'm a pastor, but I'm, I'm sharing my heart. And I started this podcast, um, not because I was trying to be popular or because I, you know, wanted to make a name for myself. I just felt like there were things on my heart to share and I wanted to make Jesus more known and more, um, accessible to people. And I feel like we've got to look to the word of God to get some of our guidance. We have to look back at biblical truth. And, you know, something that I saw that was shared, I think it was Francis Chan was talking about this, and I thought this was so powerful. And, 
you know, he said one of the most concerning things about this generation is our need um, that our own thoughts are so important. Yeah. <laughs> when we know that the Bible says that my God says my thoughts and my ways are going to be higher than yours. And I almost feel like we have to realize that our thoughts are very deceptive and they can lie to us. I mean, oh. I'm somebody dealing with, you know, insecurities that I'm I'm kind of navigating right now and, you know, I, I'm doing the 21 day, um, Carolyn leaf de, you know, what do you call brain it? The, detox. the brain detox, because there are some wrong things in my neuro pathways <laughs> and things that I believe that my thoughts tell me. And I can't go with my own thoughts, um, because my thoughts lie to me. And I think it's scary when we think our own thoughts are always right because they're not. Um, I think we always need to be open to hear, um, maybe something that's, uh, maybe different than what we thought and be open to that, but ultimately be open to hear Holy Spirit speak to you. I would say that that anything that I bring to you scriptural or we share from our hearts today, um, ultimately I want you to take it to God. It's it's not truth because I say it, you know, yeah. um, because I, I, you know, the Bible is very clear Um that love can cover a multitude of sin, but it also says that truth is the only thing that can set free. And we live in a day and age right now where there's a lot of voices in the Christian world that are, you know, all they're saying is you need to love, you need to love, you need to love. And I get it. I get it. But when I look at the story of Jesus and the young rich ruler, he loved him enough to tell him the truth. When, when, when he came to him and said, Rabbi, I've done all these things. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He said, give everything you have. And he walked away. And in today's language, love would have made it possible for him to have what he was asking right in that moment. Because it's like, oh, it's okay. You're this way. Oh, it's okay. Or, or our over spiritual selves would have been like, oh, but don't you know the word of God says if you give, he'll get back to call that, you know, to try to convince that rich young ruler to come back and serve. But Jesus didn't do any of that. He left him with truth. Yeah. Now, we don't know what happened to him. Did he go home and that sit with him? Did he go home and, and God kind of deal with him in his heart? I don't know, but I know that Jesus didn't feel the need to chase after him and to convince him to follow him. That's really good. And I feel like a lot of times in our dialogue with people, our, our objective cannot be to convince them of something they're having a hard time to believe. Sometimes it's planting a seed. Sometimes it's saying, hey, I, I, I want you to look at something. John 10, 10 says this, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God's come that he can give life and he given it abundantly. So for me, with abortion, I look and think, okay, what's the devil's job? It's to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's to steal a child's purpose and also the mother's purpose in having that child. There's there's purpose behind that and to destroy both of their lives. One traumatic event that happens, you know, because a lot of times they use the rape or incest. And listen, I've I've sat with a woman who was the product of incest. Her grandfather was her dad, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she still had purpose. And she still was looking to serve Jesus with all of her heart. And what did that look like? And she still had a purpose. So I look, if the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and God comes to give life and give it abundantly, isn't it our job then to 
have that fully come and to fight against the enemy who's coming to destroy all of that. Right. And I think that this is a huge win, but I don't think it stops there. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. We can celebrate the Roe v. Wade or Roe versus Wade. We can celebrate that. And I believe we should as a body of Christ. And I have been, I, I have been hurt. I would honestly say and upset with a lot of the silence that I have. It's deafening from a lot of people not standing up for things because we, we are standing up for justice all the way around when different yeah. things took place in the world as a church, as a body. Um, personally, we stood up for that. And I feel like we've got to stand up for this as well, because it's vitally important. There mm -hmm. it is. There and I hear I had to say it. Um, for both sides to be fought for in, in, and we have to speak up for the unborn. And, you know, the Bible is very clear that it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born. I mean, he's saying this twice. I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah 1, 5 says this to us. And we know that God knows us before we're born, that there's a purpose, that there's a will um, and I think I heard a pastor say it this way. When a child is aborted, it takes a picture of what God is painting and it rips it up before it can be seen. Oh, yeah, that was really good. And I think to myself, that's such a true statement. And because I look at Anaya and I'm thinking, yes, you might have come from a traumatic situation, you know, from traumatic circumstances. But I look at her life and I, I mean, that kid is full of so much joy and she knows what she wants mm -hmm. and she's feisty, but I love everything about her. But I think how easily that could have been robbed from us. Right. You know, yeah, we could have adopted another child, wouldn't have known any differently. But now that she's my daughter, I, I, I just think to myself and I know for her birth mom, that a traumatic situation that was something due to a demonic activity, two demonic activities aren't going to make somebody feel better. Right. And I know that's hard for non-Christians to understand. So a lot of times I'm speaking to, to Christians right now that we have to allow God, and I've said this before in a, in, a, in a past podcast, that when there's demonic activity, we don't allow it to have the last say. Yeah. That God says that I've come, you know, that that I'm going to turn bad things to good things. And anybody, I, every person I've ever ministered to that has had an abortion has dealt with more trauma on top of what they've already dealt with. Yeah. Two things don't, it, it's not like, okay, I, I had this horrible thing happen and now this is going to ease the pain. No, because now they're dealing with the fact of, in their mind, because this is what people who have had abortions have shared with me. I killed my baby. Yeah. Those are the words that come out of their mouth. And if I've ever met one that was happy, I haven't. I'm just, I'm just, this is my, this is my uh, personal experience in this. And it's helping those people heal from shame where I get to go. Death didn't win. Mm -hmm. That baby is in heaven. Yeah. Um, and you are forgiven. That is not a sin that is not forgiven. Right. Um, and so I think now it's how do we, how do we answer in this society and the way things feel? What is our response to be? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how do we respond to this? And I think a lot of it is your strongest response is not going to be social media. Right. It's not. You can post something. There's nothing wrong with that. Just as much as you post a makeup tutorial and somebody right. will agree with how that person did the makeup <laughs> or not. You know what I mean? And that's a lot of times... More uh, more conversations need to happen at tables with people. 
Yeah. You know, I've been encouraged by the people that have reached out to me and said, hey, can you help me understand? Can you bring some clarification to some of these things of why biblically we believe the way we believe or what does this look like? You know, in our church this Sunday, my husband got up and just said, just so you know, you know, we don't talk about politics, but we don't feel like this thing is a political issue. This is a biblical issue. Mm -hmm. This is speaking up. And I think we we have somehow gotten to a place where we've either made it political or we've gotten to where we think um, it's easy to do this because we can't see it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and something you were sharing with me, I wanted you to share of something that we watched back, you watched when you were in youth or? Yeah, it was like this whole video that was like making a correlation between what Hitler did in Nazi Germany from 1933 to 1945. And, yeah. you know, we know 6 million Jews were killed from that. And they were making a correlation between that and abortions. And I remember that just completely just was like, how do you correlate that? Because you look at right. history and you go, we all knew that what he was doing was absolutely horrific. We all think Hitler, like if you say about yeah. like the worst person, we're like, there's Hitler. <laughs> Hitler He's yeah. pretty far up there. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing uh, that what he did was he made everyone believe that Jews, not everyone, but the people on his side, he made the Germans believe that, hey, the, the Jews, they are less than. They are going to take our jobs. They are too wealthy. They are too high up in power. We, they're, they're nothing. We need to exterminate them pretty much to to yeah. get what we need. And he made somebody lessen who they were because it made it easier for people to be like, oh yeah, you're right. And so I think that's what we do. That's what people's mindsets are with abortions is it's not really alive. You hear the right. whole argument of it's not really a it's person. A clump of cells. It's yeah. just cells. It doesn't whatever, which that is just, I, it just blows my mind that people think that way. But they're trying to make something seem less than because if you devalue something, if you put something in that kind of category, then it's saying, oh, it's not important. We can yeah. just do what we want and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And for me, I've thought about abortion for a really long time. And one thing that I've always thought was what if, we, you know, it says statistics, Mm. <laughs> <word is> <laughs> I know the stats. Yeah, there you um, go. On abortions <laughs> are you know over you know sixty three million. Yeah, I think to myself, and that's since nineteen seventies in the nineteen seventies. And I think to myself, like, what have we been missing out in life with yeah. all those children? Like, you think about we're trying to find you know technological advances. We're trying to cure cancer. What if someone in that group <laughs> right? could have done that? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just we've we've completely forgotten that these were lives and these were purposes, these were destinies, and these yeah. were um, people that would have had an entire lineage, and that was just completely wiped out. Yeah, it's not just one person. It's so much bigger than that. Which I love what. Um, Psalms 139 says, um, 13 through 16, this is the end of the scripture. Um, but it's, it's, um, he's saying you formed, um, you were formed, you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together. But at the end, it says, you saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them. Mm. And I think about, of course, cause I just think about books all the time. If you were writing a book and you already had the character and you're like, this person is going to be in this book. This is the reason why they're in here. And you take them out. There's something missing there. People are, it's just, there's a missing yeah. part there. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes we don't think about the bigger picture 
we're honing in on one thing of one instance of like, well, this is that or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's so much bigger than just us. Well, I think one of, in one of the questions that came in, it's my body and it's my choice. And I have to, um, my body is used to grow this thing that maybe I don't want. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the biggest arguments, you know, and I, I think, I think one of the things, you know, I go back to that whole thing, you know, our thoughts and what we do, you know, we are very, um, naturally selfish people. And I think we have to, um, look at it in a way of, is this a selfish response? And I go back to when Abraham Lincoln was, was working very hard, to um, abolish slavery, he gives this example. And he said, the shepherd drives the wolf from the sheep's throat for which the sheep thanks the shepherd as his liberator, while the wolf denounces him for the same act as the destroyer of liberty. Plainly, the sheep and the wolf are not agreed upon a definition of the word liberty and precisely the same difference prevails today among us as human creatures because we're all professing to love um, liberty. And... So do we ask the wolf who, who thinks it's his right to eat the sheep or the sheep who's at risk at being eaten? Make no mistake, neither a preborn child nor an abortion-minded woman is in any way equivalent to a wolf. I'm not saying that. <laughs> However, when I look at this illustration, what it's highlighting is the importance of weighing who stands to lose the most when limiting a person's liberties. That's really good. So you look at somebody that, yes, you are going to be inconvenienced for several months to have a baby or a, a, a person is never going to be born and is going to be taken away the right to live. And so I do, I think that analogy was so strong because you've got a wolf and a sheep and one's going, I don't want to die. And the other one's saying, but this is what it's going to take for me to live my life the way I want to live it yeah. is to take your life. And I go back to um, I think it was, I don't know if it was 2020 or 2021 when Michelle Williams won the Oscar for some movie she was in and she got up and, you know, they hold this golden idol and don't even get me started there because I can totally go to Genesis and talk about that. And she goes, I'm so thankful for the right to have an abortion because I got pregnant right uh, before filming this movie. And had I had to been pregnant with this baby, I wouldn't have been able to do this movie and blah, blah, blah. So I'm so glad. And now I'm holding and I won an Oscar. And, I, and the people cheered in a room and I'm sitting there going, y'all, like it was mind blowing to me that this little 10 inch stupid golden Oscar was more important than her having a child. And she was saying that, oh, so thankful I could what I would, what I was hearing was kill a baby. Now, no one in their right mind, if she had a three-year-old right. that she murdered in her house so that right. she could finish the movie because she couldn't be a stay-at-home mom, would they stand up and cheer? Right. And somehow, because it's unseen, we are devaluing it. And I think we have to help people understand. And, and honestly, I think it's going to take Jesus because here's the honest truth. When you, Jude 23 says this. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. And another version says, love that sinner, but hate the garment even spotted by sin. 
And I think what happens is if, if, if it's dealing with somebody that's living a homosexual lifestyle, if it's a situation where, you know, it is, you know, I'm pro-life or, or, you know, pro-abortion, whatever that's looking life or pro-choice, it is, I can love you, but I have to actually hate the thing that you are fighting for. Yeah. And I think that's where truth comes in. Mm-hmm. Because I can't sit here and just continue to cover what's happening. I have to look if somebody's maybe living a lifestyle that's contrary to God. I've got to hate the deception that has a hold of you. Because we know that Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authority of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Okay. So when I tell you that I'm hating the garment, what I'm hating is the spirit that is attached to this person. And this is where we don't want to go. We don't want to think that there are evil spirits. We don't want well, to think they are. <laughs> there's a demonic Satan Realm devil, there, yeah. you know, and there's all this stuff that there are spirits. And, but we know that there are, we know there's been that since Jesus's day, because how many demons did he cast out of people right. and, and set people free. And we, we have to look at what the enemy's job to do is to take out as many people as he can. Yeah. It's to kill and destroy. And, you know, I heard it said even so good in the story of Jesus um, setting free the man. Um, and when the demons go, can we go into the pigs? And everybody, you know, all the, you know, animal activists are like, why? Because the pigs, you know, went and drowned themselves. Well, when you actually do research, which I heard somebody teaching on this, um, the way the town made all their money was from pigs. And so what the enemy thought was, okay, how can I get them immediately to take their eyes off of what just happened miraculously, that Jesus just set somebody free and have them start thinking selfishly immediately that now we will have no income, now nothing. And that's why they asked to go into the pigs. And we also see that Jesus just left. He in no way... Um, you know, there was nothing else he could do there because right. people, when they've turned their backs on truth, there's not a lot you can do but pray. Um, I think that's why we have to start praying more. I think that's why we need to intercede more. I want to do a podcast on the art of intercession because I think it's so important. And I've noticed the last several, probably four to six weeks in my life, I've had, I, I cry a whole lot more about things. I was talking to Brian the other day and he was like, babe, you're crying again. And I'm like, and I'm already naturally like very, I'm, I'm pretty, I would say an emotional person, but it's like anything I start talking about, I start crying. And I said, man, I think God is just doing something in me and just breaking some things in me and not in a bad way. I'm talking about just sensitivity to things. And, um, I think we have to have a heart of compassion right now because what a lot of these women are feeling and what a lot of people are feeling is they are not heard and they are not seen. And we're saying, who cares? They feel like we're saying, who cares what happened to you? Just have that baby. And we're not saying that. Right. We're saying we need to come alongside you. We need to help you. We need to advocate for you. We need to get you resources and help, you know? And the saddest thing thing is, I mean, adoption is not cheap. I mean, for us to adopt, even in that quick of a situation legally and all that stuff, it was over like $27,000 
And thank right. God we had in October of that, um, we got the call in January. So the year before in October, we had sold a house um, that Brian had had since he was a teenager. Um, and thank God we had made money off of it. It wasn't how the market was now. Right now we would have made like, I don't know, 200000 off of it. You know, <laughs> it's like crazy. But um, it was enough for her. And, and, you know, we had several people ask us, you know, we didn't do a GoFundMe or anything like that. It was just like, no, you know, God opened up a door for this to sell for us. You know, that way we had it. But man, um, how this must be why so many people don't do this. And it's like, well, what do we set up to help people? And, you know, and that's something me and Brian are looking at, like, what can we do long term to help people? Because I never want money to be a reason somebody can't adopt. Right. But it's not a cheap process. I no. mean, and that's the frustrating thing. Anaya was $200 to get rid of. But to get her was over a 20 something thousand dollar thing. And then, you know, I mean, we're going to raise her the rest of her life. So it'll be right. even more. But that's the thing. It's, it's, this is the easy way out. And we're telling people, we don't, we don't want you to feel like the easy way out is your only option. We don't want you to feel like, because there is purpose inside your womb, there's purpose inside of you. And we're not, you know, for me, I have made a commitment. I pray for Anaya's birth mom. I am in no way going to ever keep any kind of reconciliation between them two, not possible. Like that is in our heart. And I, I just, I, I can only speak for our story, but as Christians, we, we've got to help. And listen, it's going to be hard to, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations that we maybe have to walk away from and say, listen, man, take what I've shared with you today and pray about it. Um, hear what I'm saying to you today, but pray about it. And and especially if it's a non-Christian man, that is going to be difficult because it's already hard for them to see truth. Yeah. And they've got to see it in order to know what we're saying. And I think we have to just pick our conversations wisely. Yeah. Um, don't argue with a person in Kansas on Facebook that you've <laughs> never met. Um, I feel like in some way social media has hurt us so bad because honestly, I think I was more mad seeing people not say something. And I had to step away and say, okay, God, maybe I don't know why they're not saying something, you know, and even, you know, I, I, you know, for me, even if I'm honest, there are people that I feel like I know and they didn't say something. And I was like, what's going on? You know, I feel like this is important. And I, you know, of course I'm going to feel like it's more important because of our child, but I had to step back and just say, okay, you know what, just because somebody doesn't post on social media, doesn't mean that they're not feeling the same way and they're not, you know, um, you know, and it doesn't mean they're not brave. It doesn't mean any of those things. And so we can't that, let that be our, you know, our gauge either. Right. I just think, I knew for us as a church, we needed to say something. And I wanted people that either follow me to know exactly how I feel. And we also felt for our church people, they needed to know where their pastor stood. Um, We're never going to get up and tell you who to vote for. um, But I am going to tell you to fight for those that can't fight on their own. The same way we did two years ago when everything was coming and racism was being very much, um, I mean, you saw it as a real thing. And it's like, we have to fight for those that can't fight for themselves. We have to speak up for people and let them know that we hear you, we see you. And I feel like we have to do the same thing because I feel like it's biblical. Um, Because I, I can't get away from the fact that before I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And that just, that speaks volumes to me. Um, I've been pregnant and you, you know, those babies are in there, you know, cause I think one of the most disturbing things that I saw yesterday was a woman on the front of a newspaper. She was probably eight months pregnant and on her belly was written, not yet human. 
And I just, I mean, I just sat there and I just, I thought, but my heart broke for her. Cause honestly, I thought you're blinded by the enemy. Yeah. And, and that's what I asked God to do. I, I, I asked God, help me not see them as the problem, but see them as the person that I need to cry out for, that I need to stand in the gap for to see the truth because she's carrying something with purpose. And I want her to see that, but I also want her to see her purpose. And so do I think standing out and yelling at people going into a clinic is, is what you should do? No, I don't think shouting profanities and yelling and screaming baby killer is helping anybody. I think being there, if somebody comes out and wants to talk to somebody is powerful. I think volunteering at a place that is helping is powerful. I think coming alongside somebody that maybe found out they're pregnant is helpful. I think finding a place that you can give to is helpful. I think all those things, I think we have to start acting more like Jesus. Um, but when people try to use excuses um, that Jesus didn't get involved in things, he was very involved in things. It was just the way he did it. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked last week that Jesus was really smart in the questions he asked. And I think that's what we have to do better. And I think we have to leave people with questions without trying to force our opinions on them Yeah. Uh, and get them to believe the way we believe before they leave. Because maybe my job is just to water a seed. I don't know what happened with the young rich ruler, but I know that Jesus sparked something in him. But I also know that Jesus wasn't going to chase him down and try to convince him of all the blessings he could have if he followed him, because you can't follow Jesus for what you get. You have to follow Jesus because that's what you're called to do. And um, we don't get to live selfish lives. I mean, here's, you know, I, I think control is something we want so badly And that's a lot of what they're fighting for. And honestly, as Christians, we gave up control a long time ago because I I said, God, my life belongs to you. Send me, you know, and we see that any person that's used in a great way in the Bible really gave up all control. And the enemy is always convincing us we need more control. And I think this is where all of this stand up for your rights, my body, my choice, all this stuff is is coming from. And I think when you give your life to Jesus, you really come to a place that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And it's whatever he asks of me, I'm going to do. Whatever he lays on my heart, I'm going to do. And um, I, I just, I think control is the last thing we should try to have because the, when you try to have control, you have the least amount of control. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... You know, it, it's like when you see a little child trying to do something on your own, on their own, and you know there's no way they can do that. Sometimes you have to take them out of of the the environment or the moment they're in that they're trying to control and show them you can't control this. And actually, you're you're creating safety for them. And I think we have to make people feel like they can come and it's a safe place. And one of the things that I realized in the story of Anaya's birth mom was she wasn't talked down to when the agency was called to come and talk to her. They didn't say, how dare you show up today to kill a baby? That wasn't, it was, man, what's going on? Like, um, you know, what happened? Share your story. And, and why is this the only thing you feel like you can do? And it was a question that 
begin. I just didn't know. I mean, you know, I didn't want anybody to know this happened to me. I, I can't believe, you know, it was almost accepting the fact I was raped and it was all these things. And it's like, can we sit with people in their mess so that we can help them figure out maybe there's another way, maybe there's a miracle on the other side of this mess that God can do something beautiful. And one of the coolest things that we heard this year, um, so we went in, I think it was March, finally, everything was solidified that, you know, all the court papers were signed. And I was able to give our adoption agent a book and I had made a chat book of Anaya's first year and I'd written her, her birth mama note in there. And later on our, um, adoption agent let us know that her birth mom said, I can't tell you what it did for my heart to see these pictures of her smiling and it's healed so much inside of me. And it's like, I don't think what a lot of these women realize is these babies can help heal the trauma that's happened. Yeah. And just a simple seeing that baby smile did something for her heart. And I feel like so many people are missing out on that. And we're asking to give space to see what God could do in a situation that the enemy meant for bad. Can you let God turn it for good? And I know in a world where asking a non-Christian or trying to talk to somebody that doesn't know Jesus is so difficult, but you gotta, here's what I would tell you. You gotta allow Holy Spirit to speak through you. Yeah. There are times that I have not had answers for people and all of a sudden and Holy Spirit gives me something. There are times that I don't have a clue how to help somebody. I mean, listen, I've never been strung out on drugs. I've never been homeless. I mean, there's so many things that I've never been through, but I can't tell you how many people I've been able to help because of Holy Spirit. And it goes back to Jesus. Jesus never sinned and yelled and yet helped how many different sinners with stuff because he was willing to sit with them. And I think we've got to be willing to sit with people and it takes having real conversations and not just banter argument back and forth because you're not going to win that. I mean, statistically, we'll, we'll show you the more you argue with somebody, the more right they feel in the stance they have. Yeah. But the more questions you bring and the longer you sit, man, tell me why you feel that way. Like, help me understand, like share with me kind of your personal, and you start to do that, man. And people feel like you're validating where they're coming from and you're hearing them. I feel like so much more can take place. Um, you know, because I mean, there, there were a lot of people during all of COVID, everybody had different opinions and it was like, sometimes we had to sit in here. Okay. So tell me, you know, what you think best for that. You know, for us, we knew closing our doors for several weeks was the best thing for us to show our community and the people around, because there wasn't enough to know what was going on. There wasn't enough data to know. No, it wasn't, oh, we're shutting the doors because we're freaking out. No, not at all. It was, man, if our heart is for people right now, we feel like to make people feel safe. This is the best thing we can do right now. And that's how we felt Holy Spirit led us. How other people did it, that's fine. We just did what we felt like Holy Spirit asked us to do. And in this, we feel like Holy Spirit's asking us to speak for those that cannot speak on their own behalf and to fight for those that can't fight. And we will do that till Jesus comes back. Right, which that makes me think about this quote that I read in Fahrenheit 451, which is one of my favorite books. It yeah. was actually written in the 50s by Ray Bradbury. And it's it's so, if you read it, it has so much stuff that you're like, he saw the future. Like this was when televisions were like becoming <laughs> a big thing. And he 
pretty much predicted like us on our phones all the time, talking to people we don't know and wow. ignoring everyone around us. <laughs> but one person said, um, I'm one of the innocents who could have spoken up and out when no one would listen to the guilty, but I did not speak and thus became guilty myself, which I love because we, oh. we can't, they can't speak out for themselves. These unborn babies cannot speak, but we can speak on their behalf. We can speak, but I think it's very important what you said I think you need to leave room for Jesus to talk to them. I think instead of just bombarding people with stuff, you need to leave room for the Holy Spirit to talk to them and give that room and just being like, this is my opinion. This is what I think. You don't have to agree with me on that, which I think is real important as people, they can have their own opinions. They don't have to agree with you, but you can stick to your opinions. You can stick to your biblical viewpoints that you have and say, I'm not budging from this. Yeah. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay to have that kind of confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you, you, once you have truth revealed to you, you, you can't get away from it. Yeah. And it's like, once God stamped this truth in my heart, I, I can't, um, I can't move from it. Now, can I do a better job at hearing people? Yes. Can I do a better job of, <laughs> of, of sitting and listening? Yes, because for me, I'm very strong-willed. I'm very black and white. Um, but sometimes I will quickly not listen to what's being said so that I can come with a better understanding and articulating what my feelings are yeah. and how I feel. And I think we all could could take lessons on how to talk to people. <laughs> We're all you know? very bad communicators. Oh my gosh. And without knowing it, you know, and I'm even going back through, I'm starting uh, this week also emotionally healthy spirituality. Cause I'm going to go back through it again. I've been through it. I think two times. Yeah. And so I'm going to go through it a third time um, just to, I'm a healthier version of myself going through it again, because I think every time there's something I can learn, every time I can go through the wall again, what right, does the wall yeah. look like in I'm chapter four? I'm going through four, it my fourth know? time with the group. So okay, I'm like, there you here go. we go. Yeah. Let's do this. Yes. And sometimes I think it's just, you know, I, I always think we have room to grow and know that and know it's, and I think sometimes we're worried if we sit with people and listen to them, they're going to change our opinion and they're not going to, right. you know, if somebody brings something that you don't have an answer for say, man, that was a really good question. Um, can you give me some time on that? I think sometimes we want to quickly answer things instead of saying, let me, let me take this, you know, let, let me get some wisdom on that because you brought up a point that I don't know if I can argue with that. And I biblically want to come back with something that I feel like has, um, some meat to it. And I'm not just throwing you something out there. And I think sometimes we think we have to have quick answers or it means we don't know what we're talking about. Right. No, I mean, I wish Eve would have taken a moment. I mean, you know what I mean? And and that's what I'm saying. I think in, in questions, we have to just sit and allow Holy Spirit to answer because you're going to get two answers. I mean, I know in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, can this cup pass for me? There was another answer. I know fear had to have been going, nope, it can't. This is it. This is it. You're going to, you know, and with throwing everything, but something supernatural. We talked about that last week happened for him. that he said, not my will, but your will. And listen, that is the basis of our life. It's not our will. It's his will. And when we know that and we live by that, it, it, understand it's easier for us to grasp when somebody says, well, I don't understand. I don't want to have to grow something that, well, it's, it's not, it's not about you. 
Yeah. And I really think, you know, we can say that jokingly, but in all honesty, it's just not about you. And we live in a very selfish world where it's what's for me, what's for me. It's about me, how I feel, what I feel. And, And listen, we can't give in to every whim and every feeling that we want. I mean, and because that's a, that, that can be a scary thing. I mean, half of the children would want to be dinosaurs if that's what it was. (laughs) I mean, you know, and it's like, oh, I think it'd be fun to be a dog. And it's like, you know, we're going to get to a place where things are going to look not normal if we give in to everything we feel. Right. And we can't because our feelings lie to us. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, just do what you feel. Right. We're in trouble. That's when we start doing really stupid stuff. So I just encourage you, you know, just to sit in some things and just allow God and and listen, you need to be biblically sound. I mean, I think as Christians, we have just taken, and I have done this, I'm talking to myself, what anybody preaches, oh, that must be truth. And then you go back and think, well, where did they get that? I don't know if I find that in the Bible. And I have done that over the years where I'm like, why did I think that? Like, where did that come from? And, and, and I think you have to sit and go, okay, I, I really want to see if this is what the Bible says. I really want to sit into it. But I encourage you when you're looking in the word of God, if you're looking at it based on trying to make yourself more appeased or to make life easier for you, you're probably looking at it incorrectly. Yep. Because the more I look at it, the more I see I don't have control and the more I need to trust God. The more I need to lean into him, the more I need to care about what he cares about, not what I care about. The more I need to heed to what he wants and the more I need to make life about him. And listen, I was created for one purpose and it was to worship him. That's it. And my job is to give him his breath back every day. And I want to give him his breath back in the right way, (laughs) using it wisely, using it for his glory and not my own. I I don't want to... I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. Yep. And I think a lot of people are doing that, but that's between them and the Lord. And we're going to leave it to them to figure it out. And we're not going to, you know, DM our favorite people and say, why aren't you saying anything? No, let them answer to God about that. Because at the end of the day, I want to hear, I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And my job is to live my life to glorify him. I can't live anybody else's life. And when I do that, I believe that I'm going to see lives changed as I live this out the best way I can. But we do have to remember that truth is the only thing that sets people free. So good. Got anything else? No, that was it. All right. Well, hey, don't forget your best days are ahead. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast today, I'd love for you to rate it, review it, or hey, even subscribe. Thanks so much for listening.